It's Flickers After Dark. Monica. Matt. This is the place for cool things that just didn't fit into the episode for this week. Hey, but this week it is actually spot on with our theme of liturgy because we're going to talk about the first album that Ryan came out with as the Sunlock Project, which is At War with Wall and Mazes. So here's Ryan on the Spill the Wine podcast realizing he had put these songs together and he was making an album. And at some point, probably six or seven ideas into this thing, I realized I was probably making a record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once I accepted that reality, then I realized I was probably forming an identity. And so he was abandoning this verse chorus structure and he created this kind of singular structure. Here he is on an interview with Kyle Meredith explaining how his early First, work really was constructed. The thing about Sun Lux, when, especially when I hear Bones, is those formulas, they don't exist here. You know, you're not in, you know, you have choruses, you know, all of that, you know, all those usual things, but it's, it's a. We do now. Because <laughs> uh, At War with Walls and Mazes, uh, the first record, one of the, one of my primary reasons for developing that project was uh, to see if I could abandon binary form, uh, if I could abandon verse chorus and explore uh, unitary form, but hold on to other conventions of pop music. So over time, um, as the project developed, I, I, that's only one of the things that I'm still interested in. So we, we, we do now have uh, the occasional hook and chorus. And so how he, he abandoned this verse chorus structure is he relied on this thing called Lectio Divina. In a 2016 interview with Curator Magazine, Ryan said... Lectio Divina was an early influence on Sunlux. It was the thing that caused me to abandon binary form, first chorus, almost altogether on the first record, end quote. And so, Monica, I have no idea what Lectio Divina is. I'd never heard it. I knew it was this liturgical practice, and I knew it was tied with Catholicism. So, do you think I'm just going to make some BS now (laughs) about what it is? Yeah, I don't know. Do you think I'm going to do that? I don't know what you're going to do, no, but I'm, I'm, not, Catholic. I'm, I'm Catholic. Not gonna, I've never heard of it. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. So what I did is actually reached out to Catholic Twitter and I got hooked up with this guy who is Catholic and he actually practices this, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so we're going to hear from him right now as he tells us what Lectio Divina is. Uh, if you can just state your name. William, you're out. Or you want me to say what and bonus he actually knows <laughs> latin you want, and you it's want clear i do not as not options, as, you, as you'll hear right now <laughs> so how do you pronounce this <laughs> oh the last name well no oh, Lexio. <laughs> Lexio Divi- is it Lexio divina yeah it's uh like a sort of soft c like s ish like lexio uh it's very soft not like lexio Okay. Or just Lexio. I hear that all the time too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was I was pronouncing it that way, but I'm like, mm, it's probably not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, something about Latin is that as long as you're not too out of bounds, you can pretty much get away with anything. <laughs> anyway, so can you kind of break down for me each of the the parts of Lectio Divina? Yeah, yeah. Um so Lectio Divina sort of falls into, it's a Benedictine practice. And the sort of Benedictine motto is 
prayer and work aura at Labora. And so part of what this is doing for us is we're putting work and effort into the way we read scripture and we're treating it like a prayer. Uh, and in doing that, very actively are hoping that God will speak to us, that, that we'll be inspired by the Holy Spirit to uh, new understandings about the way that Christ uh, interacts in our lives and especially interacts through Holy Scripture. So as for the actual elements of Lectio Divina, um, there is Lectio, which is reading, Meditatio, which is reflection, Oratio, which is response, and then Contemplatio, which is rest. The first stage, Lectio, is pretty straightforward. It's whenever we read the particular passage out of sacred scripture. But we do that not, you know, just quick, off the cuff. Uh, we, we take time and go through it very meditatively. And that's often where we'll start doing the second uh, step, where we'll start doing meditatio. Just because, you know, as you're going through it, things are going to stick out to you. Uh, you're going to notice new things. And so once we get to the end of the Lexio, uh, at least in my experience, we should already be in the middle of meditatio. And in, in meditatio, we're sort of ruminating on the text, being open to the Holy Spirit, really asking God to inspire us uh, with uh, a sense of how uh, Scripture is illuminating His presence in our lives. Uh, and from there, we move on to oratio, which has a, it's sort of a root uh, word for prayer in Latin. So actually in the, in the Holy Mass, whenever the people are asked to, to join in a prayer, whenever it's in Latin, priests will say oremus, uh, which is let us pray. And so oratio sort of has a root there. So it's not just like response, it, it's, it's prayerful response. We are asking God in a, in a very frank way. It's not a structured prayer. It's not a carefully worded prayer. It's sort of like stream of thought, word of mouth, uh, speaking to God about the readings and about our reflections on them and about the ways that we see his presence in them. And, you know, once we've sort of exhausted our spiritual store of what we have in Orazio, we move on to the final stage, which is contemplatio. And that has a lot in common with the meditatio, but it's its own separate thing. In this especially, we are resting in the things that we've understood through the work that we've done. We're being attentive to anything that stuck out to us, anything that we've learned. But very specifically, we're uh, emphasizing the role of the Holy Spirit in contemplatio. We are uh, asking God to send his Holy Spirit on us, write in our hearts the things that we've learned uh, through the Lexio Divina that we've just done. And then from that, uh, we sort of go forward renewed in the sense that uh, God is ever-present in our lives, ever-present in Scripture, that God and his scripture still have a lot to say to us and to the world. What has that meant for you 
and practicing it. But practicing Lectio Divina, at least to me, um, as somebody who was raised in an evangelical environment, it actually has brought me closer to Scripture, which is interesting because growing up, there was always this emphasis on the Bible. You know, read your Bible, carry your Bible with you, always have a Bible. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that is constantly emphasized. But learning um, after my uh, conversion as an adult and then my the deepening of my faith, learning how to understand Scripture is something living and breathing and something that God uses to speak to us has really sort of altered my uh, view on it. You know, these aren't just dead words, so to say, in the past. You know, God didn't write a manuscript, drop it off, and then leave to collect the royalties. <laughs> it's, it's something that he's still involved with. Uh, you know, whenever we read prophets in the Old Testament, uh, in their time, in their day, they're calling uh, the kingdom of Israel, or it's different iterations to some form of repentance, to some form of turning back to God. But whenever we read them now, they're still doing the same thing. It's just they're talking to us now. God has ordained the writing and the bringing together and the canonization of scripture so that it is always relevant to us, so that it always speaks to us. And I think that Lectio Divina for me has been one of the ways that I have seen it speak to my life. You know, and being able to meditate on just about any chapter or passage of scripture, I think I always find something that is relevant to my life, that is relevant to the things that I do. And it's funny because sometimes it's not even necessarily what's in the text. Sometimes you'll encounter something in the text that will make you think of maybe another biblical text. So it's sort of like a referred lesson or or even something going on in your life that just happens to relate to the wording of the text. It's a very open-ended devotion. And in that sense, I think that it's something that's appropriate for uh, anybody. This is the Second Vatican Council. And uh, the, the Pope since then have really tried to reiterate a sense of uh, ecumenism among Catholics and other religious groups. That is a, a, a sort of reconciling understanding between Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, etc. Um, and I think that Lexio Divina is really one of those things that um, is a is a is a uh, important to that because it's something we can all hold in common. So you got the four R's of Lexio Divina. You got read, reflection, response, and rest. All right, that makes enough sense. But how does that work in a song? So we're gonna apply this process to the title song war. The reading portion is you have, you have a first verse, a second verse, a third verse, and then you have the first, what happens here is you have the first verse and they have the second verse, but during the second verse, the first verse lyrics and the second verse lyrics happen at the same time. And then you get the third verse and you have the first verse lyrics, the second verse lyrics, and the third verse lyrics all at the same time. So I take that as like, here is all the content that you're reading. We were at war 
with walls and mazes torn up and tearing inside you would also Then it moves into reflection, and in that portion, like there's no lyrics, there's this intermissal section where the piano takes over. Then you have verse one by itself again. We were at war with walls and, and then half of verse one, but then verse two kind of overlays that. And then there's a violin that seems to signify in this section that is different from the previous section which would have been the read section so this kind of is like hey this is the reflection section and then after that you have all three verses again all at once just like we had in the resection so i took that as here's the response section But at the end of that, you have this just phrase, astonishing us with light by itself. Astonishing us with light. So I think that's like the final response out of the reflection. And then at the very end, you have this rest section, which doesn't sound very restful because you have this distorted gar- guitar that feeds back on a single note and just ramps up, 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 up.
and just fades out. For resting in these words and everything like that, it seems just like a very intense, intentional time of rest, which is kind of crazy. That's a really crazy assessment and way to apply such a religious concept to music. I think your assessment probably nails it. I hope so. We'll see what our listeners think. <laughs> well, as Sunlux has proved, they are open to all forms of interpretation, so I doubt anybody's going to tell you it's off the mark. That's correct. <laughs> Thanks to William Muirout for contributing to this episode. Next week, we'll explore salvation. Subscribe, help boost the podcast by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And as always, tell everyone and anyone you know who is a Sunlux fan, and even those who aren't. This episode was produced and edited by me, Matt Linder. 